I'm Rebecca. I'm Sarah. And I'm Allie, and you're listening to Desk Chair Detectives. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Welcome to Desk Chair Detectives. (laughs) We're so excited you're here. It's like a sorority. It's all the sororities clapping. So, uh, so scary. We need to come up with a desk chair detectives chant like sororities have when they wa- welcome new recruits. Uh, you you're the copywriter. Oh yeah, wait, were you in a sorority? Yeah, right, I was not. It. Oh, I, I, I was not. Yeah, I, was. I was in a fraternity, not a sorority. Oh. Do I know anyone that copies with that? No. I don't, you, but you, you're the singer, don't you guys? You, you sing sometimes. Who? Who sings? <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're singers. No, it's Jackie. I'm drunk. Go away. Okay, we'll hire Jackie. But all right, well, my neighbors drop marbles on the floor. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm so excited. Okay, so. Oh, just we have the a background. We have a, <laughs> we have a ghost in the house. <laughs> yeah, I'm in your apartment. <laughs> okay, so. I picked this because I am back on my criminal minds bullshit. I'm watching it again. I and love criminal minds. Yeah. So like I picked this case because in my opinion, it inspired one of my favorite, like best episodes of Criminal Minds. And I mean okay. it's kind of hard to say you have a favorite episode because tragic things happen in every single episode. But yeah. I think it's the most like entertaining and like you're really hooked on the story. So that's why I picked this one because it inspired an episode of Criminal Minds that I like. So um, is it going to upset you to learn that I've never watched a single episode of Criminal Minds ever? Yes. Yes. It's <laughs> it's not everybody's cup of tea. It's it's a lot. Like I, I was telling you the other day, Sarah, I made it through like the first two seasons in like a week. And I don't know how I did that. And I'm still like a human being because it's like heavy. <laughs> yeah, you have to like like I was watching it a lot but then I'd have to watch something else before bed like I had to break it up because it is a lot I always thought it was like soap opera no Mm -hmm. it's it's I've seen other ones that are more like soap yeah I think I think they they put more emphasis on like the cases and like the actual stuff I mean there are like storylines about like them getting married having kids like whatever yeah but um but it's like side stuff like it's not yeah there's it's never a main plot yeah but anyway so i'm ready i picked this because of criminal minds but as i looked into this more like i realized not only did it inspire an episode of criminal minds but it's like super popular in pop culture like i i literally had no idea and when i was looking in film and tv there are seven films about this six tv episodes and one made for tv movie that were inspired by the story oh, I, can wait now. I have no idea just wait there's i'm ready a, there's a bunch of books written about it but what i found most interesting when i was looking this up was stephen king was heavily influenced by this story and when he was a kid he kept like a scrapbook of articles about this case which okay. is a little weird um <laughs> There's also like photo collections. It was mentioned in a comic book series. And there's a video game that was created where the killer in this case is the main antagonist in the game. I didn't know that. And even crazier, just wait, Sarah. There were songs written about this case 
including one by the New Jersey legend Bruce Springsteen. Oh, and he sings it as if he's like the killer, like he sings it in first person, which is really creepy. I never heard it before, and I looked it up. I had no idea that it was as popular as it is, but it makes sense because the story is crazy. So, this is the 1958 spree killings of Charles Starkweather and Carol Ann Fugate. Never heard of them. So, in the winter of 1958, 19-year-old Charles Starkweather and his 14-year-old girlfriend, Carol Ann, went on a mass murderous road trip where they killed 10 people over the course of eight days. There are so many things wrong with what I just said. Yeah, a lot. (laughs) Like, a lot. Murderous road trip. Killing 10 people. A 19-year-old dating a 14-year-old. It's just not a good look in any type of way and it was 56 you said 58 58 okay so a wee bit ago so charles and carol were both from lincoln nebraska fun place and they were born in the great depression era so charles was born in 1938 and he was the third of seven children but his family was super normal and charles had a really good home life unlike a lot of killers that we talk about but the only thing that was like a little troubling in their family was they had some financial problems but since it was around the time of the great depression so did a lot of other people so it was kind of normal yeah um his dad was a carpenter his mom stayed at home she sometimes waitressed and him and his seven siblings they all got along pretty well and they were well behaved but in contrast to his home life Charles Starkweather had a really tough time at school and was severely bullied by his classmates and didn't have many friends when he was a kid. So he was born with a condition called genuvarum. I have no idea if I said that correctly, but it's bow-leggedness. That's just like the technical term for it. And usually it's only seen in toddlers, but, and it goes away over time, but in his case, it never went away. So he was bow-legged. Um, And he also suffered from a really bad speech impediment and like couldn't really talk that well and was considered a slow learner by his teachers. Um, It was also discovered later on in his teen years that he had severe myopia, which is nearsightedness. So he was suffering with vision problems for years and no one really knew and nothing was done about it, which was another reason why he kind of sucked at school. So like in, in conclusion, He was a short kid that walked and talked funny and he couldn't see and he was a slow learner. So everybody rough rough cut. (laughs) Yeah. So everybody bullied him in school and it was, it was pretty bad, but even though his grades sucked, he excelled in one class. And oh, this was gym, it was gym class. Oh, I, I thought to ask was a gym class. <laughs> I thought class I thought you were gonna say like, what is it, biology, where you like dissect things? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, but no, it was gym class. He was he was like a a gym hero, but but he excelled in gym class because he could harness his pain and rage that he felt within into a physical outlet. That's why he loved Jim so much. Oh, God. So as Charles grew up and entered his teen years, he hit puberty and he was staying pretty active and he got like physically muscly and stronger, not taller. He was only five, five, but he got, he, he was like built 
a little bit. Yeah. And when he found this like new sense of physical strength, he started bullying the same kids that bullied him because he had more confidence Vengeance. and strength. Yes. He was like, I'm going to get you now. So he continued to be a high school bully until he dropped out of school at age 16. So soon his rage and sense of power over people turned into him being physical, not just towards like his past bullies, but like anybody he just didn't like or felt some type of way about. He would just pick on people. Um, Here's a quote from one of the kids that he used to hang out with in high school. This is how he described him. He said, He could be the kindest person you've ever seen. He'd do anything for you if he liked you. He was a hell of a lot of fun to be around too. Everything was just one big joke to him. But he had this other side. He could be mean as hell, cruel. If he saw some poor guy on the street who was bigger than he was, better looking or better dressed, he'd try to take the poor bastard down to his size. We all know one. (laughs) Yep, just picking the fights. Yeah. So- In addition to like his newfound confidence and glow up, I guess, in his sense, (laughs) he also developed an unhealthy obsession with James Dean and his character, (sighs) Jim Stark, in the 1955 movie Rebel Without a Cause. I was not expecting that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've never seen this movie. Have either of you seen this movie? No, no, I know what it is, but yeah, I know what it is, but I haven't seen it. So, like, basically, the premise of the movie is it's about a young teenager who is James Dean, and he had like a troubled past, and he meets like other rebellious teenagers, and they all have like home life problems. They get into trouble together. There's like gangs and guns like involved in the movie. So, like, after he saw this movie, he like became fixated on this character that James Dean played, and. So he started to dress like him and act like him. Like this guy had red hair, but he used like black shoe polish in his hair to make it black like James Dean. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. So How does it make like, you feel that he's a fellow ginger, Ellie? Um, on behalf of gingers everywhere, we don't claim him. <laughs> Good move. <laughs> he's dating a 14-year-old girl. <laughs> so many red flags. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so like he explained to people that he felt that James Dean's character and him were like kindred spirits he said he (laughs) he said he like I know like this part's just I don't know (laughs) um he said he related to him and his tortured past his failures and he also resonated with the fact that he felt like he could do never do anything right or anything of importance, just like this character in this movie felt like, I guess he felt the same way. So, you know, like Charles was turning out to be like a really mentally healthy guy, got good <laughs> personality traits and like great views. He's a total yeah. catch. He's the whole yeah. package. <laughs> <laughs> so like, as I was doing research, I found this one article by a woman named Leslie Wishman and she like summed up this man's personality in like a couple sentences and it's so funny so I have to read it to you she said Starkweather was a swaggering good for nothing in blue jeans and a black motorcycle jacket (laughs) known for yelling go to hell at strangers he was stocky and well-built but small at 5'5 his normally red hair was now black with shoe polish He wore rimless glasses and black and white cowboy boots. 
A James Dean wannabe, Starkweather was a rebel whose cause had devolved into instilling fear and dissipating his own smoldering rage. Oh, God. I need to see a photo of this man. <laughs> I'll show I actually have one. I'll pull it up. Thank God. <laughs> oh, let me let you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here he is. Oh. Isn't he great? Oh, oh. Wait, that's his girl. Oh, yeah, this is his girlfriend. We'll get to. She's oh. so young. I just feel like young people back then still looked old. Looked old. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Oh. And there he is in his leather oh. jacket. Oh cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Boots. Okay, I want to put this, I want to bring this picture in color so we could see the greasy black hair. Yeah, oh right. God. We got him. Okay, so soon after his reinvention into James Dean, eighteen-year-old Charles met thirteen-year-old Carol Ann Fugate. So they met when she was just at a ripe age of thirteen. Disgusting. (laughs) No, so I know it's so disturbing. So the two of them met in 1956 when Charles's friend introduced them because he was dating Carol's sister Barbara at the time. So. As soon as they met, Charles was like infatuated with Carol. And Ew. like at the and like at the time he was 18. So he was a high school dropout. Um, and he was doing nothing with his life. So he needed a job. So he looked for employment specifically at this newspaper warehouse because it was the building that was right next to her junior high school. No. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. imagine being a senior in high school or like a freshman in college and being so starstruck by a seventh grader uh-uh. well you know what song like, is popping into mind that demi lovato demi lovato oh, song. The new one. like yeah. it, that just like put it in perspective for me like imagine being 29 and being like oh this 17 year old oh yeah yeah like gross so gross and like maybe like I don't know if it's just me when we were younger it didn't feel like like a big age gap when you're young the younger yeah. one and now that you're older and you see it you're like what the fuck yeah like, yeah I was being groomed yeah 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 creepy yeah. but Nuts. um to to our dismay he ended up getting that job at the newspaper warehouse next to her middle school yeah she was in middle school in in middle school middle school (laughs) um so he worked in this newspaper warehouse as a crane operator um I also want to point out that he was really shitty at his job too like he was a bad worker so not only is he horrible in every other way but he also sucks at like doing a job like his boss (laughs) his boss said that he was like the dumbest man that they had on on staff no redeeming qualities of this man (laughs) so because charles worked next door to carol's school they were able to see each other and visit each other every single day when she was done with school um so like we talked Mm -hmm. about like yes this relationship is very inappropriate super disturbing um she was clearly groomed yeah Um, but Carol was equally as obsessed with Charles as he was with her. At least that's like what he made her believe she was feeling yeah. because I can't 
think of like even though she she does some pretty like fucked up things like i can't imagine would she have done them without his influence yeah yeah like, she's she's 13 every every girl is stupid at 13 like they yeah. don't know anything so yeah so the two of them actually started their relationship when he was 18 and she was 13 and like he taught her like everything like he taught her how to drive and one day she actually like crashed his car while he was teaching her how to drive um but the car belonged to charles's father so like he had to pay the damages and like he suffered the legal consequences for it and because of this situation like charles and his dad got in a really big fight um, I couldn't find a lot about the fight, but based on Charles's record and like his current state of mind, like I can't imagine he was calm and reasonable with his dad about this. Yeah. Um, so that like led his dad to banning him from the house and like kind of disowning him like wow. over this situation. Yeah. So after this incident, Charles also left his job at the newspaper warehouse and then he got could do better. New- he could do better. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he's searching for bigger and better things, <laughs> which was a garbage collector. Oh, yeah. Um, to be fair, I hear, they, I hear, the, I hear nowadays they, they have a good. Yeah, they I think do. That's like a, yeah. It is, yeah. But back then, he was just getting paid minimum wage. Mm-hmm. So he, it wasn't even like good, a good job for him. Oh. So because of this, too, and like everything that was going on, he started to be consumed by the idea that he was experiencing the injustice of poverty like that's all he was saying mm. at this point but didn't you say when like the whole nation was right like, exactly <laughs> like the, i mean this man is delusional on every sense of the word but like he, he also left like a bad job for another minimum wage job at this yeah. time and like he's he's trying to get by and he he plays the victim card like it's nobody's business yeah. so like he thinks that he's a victim in this situation so he convinced himself that the only way to like achieve financial gain was to become a criminal and like steal things and rob people so that's how he thought that was the only way he was going to rational poverty yeah, yeah. i mean mm-hmm. he's He's, yeah. he's got his he's got his head on screwed right <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i know earlier i said that charles and carol together killed 10 people on their killing spree but before that even happened charles committed one murder on his own and it was a little over a month before this murderous road trip began mm. so this first murder um it started on november 30th 1957 And Charles stopped at a service station, so like a gas station, in his hometown of Lincoln, Nebraska, on his way to see Carol. He saw a stuffed animal dog at this gas station that he wanted to buy for Carol, so he tried to pay for it using credit. But the gas station attendant, 21-year-old Robert Colvert, refused to sell it to him using credit. I'm not really sure why. I guess he just wasn't accepting it. Yeah. But... Because of this, Charles left the gas station full of rage, as one would do if you can't buy a stuffed animal for your underage girlfriend. Yeah, I also wonder, this is a side note that I'll edit out, but I wonder if it was like credit like we think or like um, like store credit. Um, Oh, yeah. Because I don't like work credit cards like a a, that's true. 
or like I'll come back at a different time just put it on my tab type of thing yeah yeah and they're like I'll never oh. see him again <laughs> well I'm, I'm an idiot credit cards were invented in 1958 so well this was November 30th 1957 oh yeah yeah, yeah. so I'm sure it is like um you could so set is. up like um accounts with the yeah yeah well leave this in leave this in for our listeners i think it's important to know that (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay like my brain thought like had a thought for a while i'm tired i'm tired (laughs) that took a lot out of me enough we'll take a break come back in an hour (laughs) so sarah's one thought for the day (laughs) done Okay, so so he left um, really angry at this gas station attendant for not giving him like a dog, like any of us would be over the yeah. animal. Because mm-hmm. he needed to impress his his fourteen year old girlfriend with a stuffed animal, you know, because she's a child. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So he was pissed. Um, so on the next day at three a.m. on December first, Charles Starkweather went back to this gas station with a shotgun. Oh, no. However, he went into the store and simply bought cigarettes, leaving the weapon in the car. Charles then paid for the cigarettes, left the store, drove down the road, parked his car, and waited. A little while later, he drove back to the service station. He entered a second time into the store, and this time he bought a pack of gum, but left the shotgun in the car again. So he bought the gum, got into his car, went down the road, and waited again. And then all this money he's spending on gum and cigarettes, couldn't he put that? I know. How is the what was the stuffed animal? animal? Or like, how is he going to get out of poverty if he keeps buying cigarettes and gum? Yeah. (laughs) But oh boy. Anyway, he goes back to the station like a third time. Which I don't know. I thought this whole situation was kind of weird. It was kind of like he was working his way up to it. Yeah. He chickened out like two times. But now for the third time, he went back to the gas station and then parked his car like further up the road and not in the parking lot. Um, He put on a red bandana underneath his hat, grabbed the shotgun and entered the gas station. He forced Robert Culver at gunpoint to give him $100. That $100, he's doing this over. And so he complied and gave him $100. But after that, Charles Starkweather kidnapped Robert and <gasps> drove him to a remote area outside of no. Lincoln at gunpoint. So there, Charles forced Robert out of the car. But when Robert like kind of saw Charles's size and realized that he was a little guy, he tried to like fight him off, attempting to like take away his shotgun. But during the struggle, Charles ended up shooting Robert in his kneecaps. And that, like, you know, made him fall to the ground immediately. And Charles had one. Oh, my legs hurt. I know. know. (laughs) It's like kneecap. Yeah. So after that, Charles shot Robert in the head, killing him. And left him there. And you said he was young, too, right? He was 21. Oh. And how how long ago like was this before? This was like uh a, about a month or more, a little over a month before the the other things happened. Okay, but so right after he killed Robert, Charles went to Carol's house and told her because he still has the money 
from, from Robert, the hundred dollars that he took. So he went to Carol's house and told her that he robbed the gas station, but told her that somebody else had killed Robert and that he only took money. Um, Carol admitted later on to police that she didn't believe his story, but chose to ignore it at the time. Yeah. I do think about that sometimes. Like if someone came to me and was like, I killed this person, like, do I want to be like, okay, or am I going to like question them and then ask the question? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like the, yeah, that's like the main theme of this whole thing. It's like, was she like a killer or was she doing this because she was scared yeah like a hostage like that's the whole point of like this case just revolves around that so shortly after he killed robert charles would then start his infamous killing spree with carol across nebraska and wyoming little did carol know that charles would start this rampage by killing her entire family first what did not expect that did not expect that a little plot twist plot for you. Twist. yeah wait including the sister that was like a mutual wow. introduction kind of thing no so that sister was so her she carol lived with her mom and stepfather and then her two-year-old baby sister but the other sister was from a previous marriage okay okay so not barbara who introduced them so on january 21st 1958 charles starkweather went to carol's house to visit her like he normally did every single day however when he arrived he discovered that she wasn't home so he ended up getting into like a little altercation with carol's mom and stepdad who was velda and marion bartlett those were their names So Carol's parents like hated Charles to begin with because they didn't want him dating their daughter. Like wonder why. Yeah. I mean, valid. And they just like, didn't like him. So since Carol wasn't home to like object because she was like in love with him and like infatuated with him. So since she wasn't around, they kind of told him to like leave, never come back, like stay away from him, her. We don't want you around her. Um, So Charles super pissed raged armed with his shotgun he fatally shot velda and marion in their home during this fight okay um this part this part's very bad so just like prepare yourselves Mm. for what i'm about to say god so charles then saw that carol's stepsister two-year-old betty jean was also in the house so he decided to strangle and stab her until she passed away yes why like i just why like she's first of all she's two and also she can't say what happened yeah and it's even worse because like he shot the mom and dad in the head but strangled her and stabbed her so like that's even way more malicious like why did it have to be more violent yeah for the baby he's like showing how like he's such a tough guy you know like yeah but it's like you pick the the like weakest the, person yeah yeah horrifying so carol arrived home and she found charles waiting for her he told her what he had done to her entire family and charles said that carol was unfazed by this information 
and she helped him hide the bodies of his mother, stepfather, and two-year-old sister in different locations, like, all around the house and property. She had to be terrified that, like, he was just going to kill her, too. Yeah, so when she was questioned by police later, when they realized that her whole family was dead, Carol said that she had actually broken up with Charles on January 19th, which was two days before this happened. And when she got home on the 21st, she said that Charles was holding her family hostage when she got home and that he would kill them all if he didn't do exactly as she said. But it was later revealed that her family was dead before she even got home. So her story wasn't right. And she had a lot of inconsistencies. Maybe so she is was, a psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. So like the police were kind of thinking that she was like making this story up to protect Charles. And she did willingly help him hide the bodies of her entire oh family. My God. So after that, Charles and Carol lived in her family's house for the next six days together. Um, Ew just blood everywhere and oh my god so carol actually wrote a note and taped it to their front door so people would like go away if they came to visit her parents and the note said stay away everybody is sick with the flu but listen like this is how she wrote it she wrote the word stay and then a way like not away two words a way everybody two words is sick with the flu the flu is spelled f-l-u-e so like yeah a child wrote this and put this on the door <laughs> you've never yeah. seen an email that i've written yeah <laughs> that's pretty much how i write <laughs> so so this note was taped to the front door and on the sixth day when they were there carol's grandma came over and read this note and was immediately suspicious because she hadn't heard from you know like carol's parents at all so she contacted the police like immediately And later that day on January 27th, the police came to the house and that's when Charles and Carol fled and they headed southeast of Lincoln to continue their murdering of innocent people. So they ended up in a town called Bennett, Nebraska, and they drove to the farm of a Starkweather family friend who was 70-year-old August Meyer. Oh God, they better not have hurt him. Um, they originally stopped there just to take a break from driving, but when they arrived, Charles realized that their car was stuck in the mud on August's property. Oh, God. So, unaware that they were, like, on the run from the police, August, like, invited them in, and he even offered them, like, two horses to use for, like, travel because they didn't have a car. So when, yeah, so when August was like leading them to his stable to like give them horses to travel on, Charles just shot him from behind right in the head, killing him. And then he also Mm. beat up and killed his dog. (gasps) No, no. You know what? An old man and a dog? Yeah. And a two-year-old? Yeah. mm -hmm. Yes. Right. It's like, if it's not bad enough, you're going to kill a baby. Then you have to go and kill the old person. And then Maybe. you have to kill the dog. Kill, the dog. kill his dog. <laughs> yes. No. Monster. Monster is right. So um, Carol told police later on that after seeing this brutality for the first time, because um, this is the first murder she claimed that like, he committed in front of her, she knew at that point that she couldn't fight him or disobey him. So she was kind of fearing for her life and she had to stay with him until they were caught 
So that's sure, Jan. That's the story that she told police. I mean, she saw it too. She's like, you know, he killed my whole family. You know, I guess I'll go with him. But the, what yeah. put her over the edge was the dog too. <laughs> I mean, as as one would. Um. So after that, he murdered August and his dog. Um. The two of them started to travel on foot because they never got the horses. So they just started walking. Um, So later that night, a teenage couple, 17-year-old Robert Jensen and 16-year-old Carol King saw Mm, Charles. What a healthy age gap. What was it? What was it? 17 and 16. (laughs) Okay. Oh, okay. (laughs) It took me a second. Meanwhile, 1914. Yeah. So the two of them saw Charles and Carol Ann walking on the side of the road. So they actually pulled over and asked if they needed a ride because they saw like two teenagers like walking. They're like, hey, like, we'll give you a ride where you need to go. So they accepted the ride and got in the car. And as they began driving, Charles like pulled out his gun and forced the couple to drive to a secluded place. And they eventually found an abandoned storm shelter in Bennett, Nebraska. So Mm -hmm. there, Charles shot Robert. But he said that Carol Ann had killed Robert's girlfriend, Carol King. We, mm. yeah. And then after that, they stole Robert Jensen's car and left their bodies in the storm shelter and left. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. They're killing people who are helping them. They just, it's a killing spree just for, they're doing it for, for lack of a better term, like shits and giggles. Like that's, yeah. there's Whoever. no rhyme or reason for any of it. Yeah. Whoever came in in their path, they were gonna kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just happened that these people pulled over and asked if they needed a ride. So they figured that it was a good opportunity. Oh, disgusting. But um, it's never been confirmed if Carol Ann killed Carol King or if it was Charles. They don't know. Hmm. It's like his word, it was his word against yeah. hers. Yeah, that makes sense. So now they were in Robert Jensen's stolen car. And they drove back to Lincoln, Nebraska, but they went to a wealthier community to try to find a place to hide from police. And they chose hiding out in the home of a local businessman named C. Lauer Ward. They broke into his home and they found his wife, Clara, and their maid, Lillian, in the house, but he wasn't there. But Clara and Lillian were found later fatally stabbed. Oh, gosh. Charles admitted to police that he threw a knife at Clara, but he said that Carol had actually murdered these two victims by stabbing them until they were dead. Hmm. Yes. So intrigued. After, I don't know, Charles or Carol, one of them or both of them, after they killed Clara and Lillian, they hid in the house until the man, C. Lara Ward, came home. When he did return her home, Charles shot him immediately. And then they stole, his, they stole his car, a 1956 Packard, which I guess is like a cool, like expensive car for the time. I have no idea. It sounds cool. Sounds like yeah. a cool name. <laughs> um, and then they also took jewelry from them and then fled Nebraska heading towards Washington state where one of Charles's uh, brothers lived at the time. So after 10 hours in the car, after they killed the wards and their maid, they ended up in Douglas, Wyoming. 
Charles decided he wanted a new car because the high profile of the Packard, like I I said, it was like a cool car. So they thought it would be easily recognizable if somebody was looking for it. If it was like- Smartest thing that he's done. Yeah. So actually while they were driving in Wyoming, they found a car like on the side of the road and it belonged to Merle Merle Collison. His name is very hard. I like that name, Merle. 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 He's a 37-year-old shoe salesman. So they approached this car. They found Merle in the car taking a nap. I guess he was on a long drive and wanted to take a nap. So Charles, like, tapped the shotgun on the window to, like, wake him up. And when Merle did wake up, Charles told him to exit the car. And he was, like, scared, but he, like, didn't exit the car right away. So Charles fired, like, multiple rounds into the car. No. And like after he fired through the window, Merle was severely injured, but he wasn't dead yet. And then Charles told police that Carol stepped in and said, I want to like finish killing him. So Charles attributed Merle's death to Carol and said that she like she wanted to finish like the like the final shot. Um, And he said that, well, he, he told police that she was the most trigger happy person he had ever met. So again, so when they tried to get away in Merle's car to find a place to hide his body, Charles realized that the car had like a push pedal emergency brake, something like he wasn't used to. So he was like stalling the car and couldn't like get it out of the side of the, like he couldn't get the car going. So just then like another car was driving by. And he saw the stolen car and Merle's car on the side of the road. So he assumed that they needed help. So he pulled over to help. And this man's name was Joe Sprinkle. Oh, no. I like him. When Joe asked if they needed help, Charles just simply said, yeah, like, I need help. I'm releasing this emergency brake. Can you help me? So Joe, like, was helping him with the car. But then he realized that there was a body stuffed under the dashboard of the car. And there was a moment when Charles realized that Joe saw what was going on. So he immediately pulled out his shotgun. Now. And so Joe Sprinkle quickly made like a game time decision. He made the decision to start fighting Charles Starkweather. (gasps) Because oh, if he because if he knew he didn't fight, he was going to die just like Merle. Like quick, he decided. Because Joe was six feet tall and he thought he had a physical advantage over Charles. So he began wrestling him for his gun. Let me tell you, Joe Sprinkle was successful in this. Oh, thank God. Yes. And he tore the shotgun away from Charles. And at this point, Carol was literally just sitting in the car the whole time, like watching this whole thing unfold. So while Joe was like detaining Charles on the ground, a police officer like drove by and arrived and his name was William Romer. He, he came by because he saw what was going on. Um, and then as soon as he pulled up, Carol bolted from the car and <gasps> oh. ran up to him and said Charles was going to kill her. He had just killed somebody else and that he was crazy and that she needed help. So... Mm. When Charles realized there was police, like the police came and Joe kind of like subdued his, de- his detainment of Charles. Yeah. So 
as soon as that happened, Charles immediately ran and went back into the stolen car from the Ward family, the Packard car. That's like really cool. So sheriff, the sheriff that was on the scene radioed for people to help because he was staying back with Carol because she was like frightened and he didn't want to chase after him. So he, he radioed for police to, to chase him. So police actually set up roadblocks like all over Douglas, Wyoming in hopes to like catch him while he was on the run. So Charles actually blew through one of the roadblocks right away. So then it was like a high speed chase and they were chasing him at speeds exceeding over a hundred miles an hour. I didn't know cars back from 1958 (laughs) went that fast. I was thinking the same thing. But (laughs) that sounds like so ignorant, but like, I feel like their max speed was like 70. Yeah. We're finding a lot out today about our history. Credit cards in 58. (laughs) (laughs) Also, their cars exceed 100 miles an hour. Yeah. They weren't using horse and buggy anymore. Yeah. So, so like, it was like a police chase. And police were, like, firing bullets at him as they were, like, chasing his car through downtown Douglas. So a bullet finally shattered the rear window of the car. And as soon as the window like shattered the glass, Charles slammed on the brakes and it like screeched to a stop and he immediately surrendered to the police. Um, They were like, why the hell did he surrender so quickly just by like a shattered window? Like they were very confused why he surrendered, but it was later revealed that he surrendered for two reasons. One, he ran out of ammo, so he couldn't fight back. And two, when the bullet shattered the glass, it like cut him up so badly that he thought he he was a little scratch. Yeah. He thought he was bleeding to death. So he needed help. That's why. Another reason. Oh my God. Like dramatic. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, though, like all men, right? (laughs) We expect nothing less, honestly. (laughs) So there the Wyoming police detained him. And questioned him, but he was then extradited to Nebraska for trial. And it started in May of 1958. Um, This infuriates me, but this man was only tried for the murder of Robert Jensen, who was the boyfriend of that young couple that offered him a ride. What? Um, Like, I don't understand why it was only this murder because, like, they literally found his body with Carol King, his girlfriend they were literally right next to each other so why is he only being tried for him and not her they were found together also the family the work and and also he fled from the scene where there was a dead body under a dashboard he wasn't charged for merle's murder either it was only it was only robert jensen he was tried for i wonder why i have no i was trying to figure it out but I don't maybe there was like damning evidence that was found at the scene I literally don't know but he was also like admitting that he was killing people but they only tried him for Robert Jensen's murder well sometimes don't they do that where like they'd rather get you for like one that they know is like solid than that's true uh, than risk it right yeah that could be but I don't know I mean it's just like crystal clear because he admitted to killing a lot of people so it's like want to go for it but um in any case the trial began and charles starkweather's lawyer pleaded insanity 
for him because I mean it was kind of the only it's insane yeah I mean it's (laughs) um but it was also against Charles wishes like he didn't want to say that he was crazy because he was like proud of it yeah you know I mean which kind of translate to translates to you are crazy yeah I get it um but the trial was super short because it was like a cut and dry thing um so on may 23rd he was found guilty for this murder and was sentenced to death so i i he got the worst possible outcome for one murder so i guess it it just sucks that like there was no justice for the other ones like in writing but anyway on june 25th 1959 at 12.01 a.m charles starkweather was executed in the electric chair at nebraska state penitentiary that's a pretty quick turnaround yeah, i was just gonna say yes. that was pretty quick it was so quick it was like a year and a couple months yeah so as for carol ann fugate it was trickier because it was unclear whether she was taken by charles as a hostage or if she was an accomplice right. Yeah. So when Charles was actually first captured, he told police that she was completely innocent and had nothing to do with any of the murders. But he changed his story so many times after that. And like some of those claims, like I sprinkled throughout the story. Um, so when Carol was taken in by police, they said she was super nervous, very upset. And like in shock about the whole thing. Like, even if she was an accomplice, this girl's 14 years old. Like, it's going to affect her regardless. So they even had to like sedate her to keep her calm because she was just a mess. And she even asked to like call her parents who were already dead. So it just like made police wonder like, A, was she a hostage and like completely unaware that her family was dead? be in a state of like complete delusion from like all these events that had just happened and just didn't believe her parents were dead or see she was faking the whole thing right and like maybe she didn't understand like the like how severe like their actions were like what it really meant to like kill someone yeah like they don't come back from that Yeah. yeah But, like, regardless of all of that, the state of Nebraska did end up charging Carol with murder. Wow. Um, however, her lawyers thought they had a pretty good case because they were confident she would be able to get off because there was, like, no physical evidence that she had murdered anyone because Charles kind of, like, took credit for the whole situation in the spree, even though he had said, oh, she stabbed Clara and Lillian and she had shot Carol King, but, like, he was taking credit. Yeah. Um, So all they had to do was like maintain that she was a hostage, which it looked pretty good for a while, but in a surprising confession during the trial, Carol testified that she found her family dead when she arrived home on January 21st and helped hide their bodies. Like she testified. Yeah. And like I said earlier, like she had originally said to police that her family was alive when she got home and Charles was like, kidnapping them and saying like do what I say or I'll kill them right but like with this confession it was like kind of hard to believe anything she said or if she had taken part in murdering anybody yeah right she wasn't credible so the the courts also said that she had a lot of opportunities to like leave her captivity also um so it was unlikely that she was a hostage but rather a willing participant of this whole thing 
Hmm. So like that, along with Charles Starkweather's testimony. So this trial happened before he was put to death. He actually testified against her during the trial as well. So I don't like that though. Cause it's like, he already knows he has nothing to lose. Like they're going to kill him. Why not bring someone down with him? And also he's pleading (laughs) insanity. How could we believe anything he says to begin with? Which I think is because I was going to say to like your first point, like what does he have to lose? But that could be an argument for either way, right? Like, yeah, I, you know, like I could just tell the truth because I'm already going to die or I could bring her down with me because she's the love of my life and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. But um, any, regardless, um, in November of 1958, she was sentenced to life in prison for her role <gasps> in these killings. Whoa. Yes. So she was obviously tried as she was obviously tried as an adult. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she was held at the Nebraska Correctional Center for Women, so she didn't even go to like a juvenile place. She she went to like adult prison. Where is she Mm -hmm. now? Is she alive still? Well, so she went to this prison, and she was considered like a model prisoner. So she was released on parole in 1976. (gasps) So she only served 18 years. Wow yes what so she i mean actually, so let me math yeah let, let me, me math for this she was 14 plus 18 so 32 she was a year older than me when she got out of jail that's insane mm. yeah that's she crazy only, she only, i think it's kind of crazy that she only served 18 years yeah well that's a, that's what i was gonna say is like it's crazy to begin with that to me, like that she even got life without really any evidence besides like, oh, she lied this one time. But like, it's even crazier to me that she got life and then still got out of jail in yeah. such a short amount of time. Usually it's like life without the possibility of parole, but it's kind of funny that she got like life with the possibility because it's like, that's very different, right? Like, yeah. 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 yeah you yes. might get out or you might you spend might. the rest of your life in prison. I don't know. I just, I just think it's crazy. Like how they determine when you get parole. Like she, like I said, she was considered a model prisoner, but like what that has nothing to do with like the things you did in your life before jail. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to follow the rules in prison as well. Yeah. (laughs) If it, if it gets me out quicker, like anybody would, but um, yeah. So she only served 18 years and when she got out, she changed her name. So she spells her name c-a-r-i-l but she changed it to o-l yeah how different wow Um, so her name is carol ann claire now and she also got married but her husband died in a car accident in 2013 in which she was also severely injured so she's a widow now and she lives a quiet life in michigan and to this day she maintains her innocence and refuses to talk about the murders wow um that's intense i know um something else she in 2020 she applied for a pardon from the nebraska board of pardons to quote alleviate the burden of being known as a convicted killer um and even more crazy to me the pardon application was supported by the relatives of all the victims that they murdered wow so i guess they don't believe that she did anything or had a part in it huh um but her pardon was denied because they're for restoring like a felon's rights 
but the board kind of felt it was broad her request because it was just to alleviate a burden it like wasn't a right that she was looking for it was just kind of yeah. like an emotional thing so they denied her request because i guess um, like yeah she's out of prison but she's like a convicted felon yeah so like I mean, I guess if she wanted to do something that like felons couldn't do, there would be like another, it would be another question, yeah. but I guess her, her request, like they, they said they rejected it because it was too broad. Like, I guess mm. she needed to like, like cite examples of how she would yeah. be alleviated from it, but she never did. So, but one more thing I'm going to say that's creepy to me is that Charles Starkweather is buried in a cemetery in his hometown of Lincoln, Nebraska. And not too far from him, in the Uh same exact cemetery, are five of his victims. (gasps) They're buried in the same freaking cemetery. I don't like that. And they are Velda, Marion, and Betty Jean Bartlett, who are Carol's mom's stepdad and sister. And then that wealthy couple that was murdered in their home, Clara and C. Lauer Ward. They're all buried in the same cemetery. Wow. Which I hate. Like it. Yeah. I I don't know. It's super creepy. That is weird to think about, actually. Right? Like you're laid to rest a couple plots over from the person who killed. How am I supposed to rest? Yeah. (laughs) I have no peace now. I'm just resting. Yeah. I'm just I'm just resting. (laughs) But not in peace. But yeah, that was the spree killings of Charles Starkweather and Carolyn Fugate. What are the movies? I was just about um, to ask, was the episode in Criminal Minds the one with the um the girl and the guy and the girl is like, is she is she her name's Sydney? I don't I know. All I know it's the girl from Friday Night Lights. Oh god. Minka the girlfriend. No, um Julie Taylor. Tyra, Tyra, the Tyra. One yes. I'll have yeah. to look her up. I'm going to watch Friday Night Lights again. I love that show. It's so good. I, I never saw that one. It's good. Oh, yeah. That's the one I was thinking about. I'm trying to look up all the movies and everything. I had a list, but I decided not to include the names of them because I thought it was kind of um, boring. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I just didn't want to like list them all off at the beginning because and that would also give it away. I wanted to hold hold you off for a little bit. But okay, so the films The Sadist in 1963, Badlands in 1973. This was the um, the most popular. It has like Martin Sheen, um, Sissy, what's her last name? Speck, Spake, Sissy, whatever. But that one's um, the most popular. Um, California with a K from 1993. Natural Born Killers. Yeah, right. And then a movie called Starkweather in 2004. Hmm. Um, but the Bruce Springsteen song is called Nebraska. Huh. If you've ever heard of it. But yeah, I'm there's... Not. Yeah, the, um, the video game is called Manhunt, where he is, like, the antagonist of the game. So you're trying like to get a, him? It's like a stealth horror game. That's how they um, describe it, which is creepy. Like this jerk like did enough damage. Let's make a video game about him to let his I legacy. Know. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. There's there's a lot of stuff about it. Like I I only 
found out that this was a real story after I watched Criminal Minds. So, oh but it, well, I've it never was, heard of this one. Yeah, but it's just, I mean, I... not that there's a reason to kill anyone ever, but like there was zero motive or reason behind this other than just yeah. to kill people. Like, I don't understand how this even happened to begin with. And it's just so pointless. And there were 11 people in, in I mean, they killed pe- 10 people on their spree, but then the gas station attendant is also part of the victim list. So like yeah. 11 innocent people who were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. That's so sad. Yeah. And like, <laughs> at least three of them were trying to help. Yeah, I know. Also, shout out to Mr. Sprinkles. Yeah, Joe Sprinkles. Joe Sprinkles. And a hero. I wonder where he is now. Um, Joe Sprinkles. I mean, he's probably, he was probably, he's probably old. Mm. I hope he's alive. I hope he had a happy life. Well, not therapy. How how old is is she she so carol's 79 and she was gonna say she's old so (laughs) she might not be sorry i look stressed i just want to know what happened to her oops that i accidentally googled an an evangelical biblical work Mm. find joe sprinkle (laughs) is that him excuse me joe sprinkle so uh, I found out that Joe there. Sprinkle was 29 when this happened. So I don't know how, how old would he be now. Dead. He was 29 in what year? She's, she's 79 now. She's he's 79. Fi- he's 15 he's... years older than 79. So 94. Oh, Joe Sprinkle is not alive. If I he is, I hope. Well, I hope he is. He worked for like an oil company and he was like a geologist. If that also helps you paint a nice picture of Joe Sprinkle. Joe Sprinkle. And it's just one sprinkle, sprinkle, not sprinkles. Yeah, just a single sprinkle. Just one sprinkle. Yes. But here, let me share these other pictures that are on this article that was like super good. So we saw him. Crotch shot. And then crotch. <laughs> So this is Carol. It's a weird way to spell Carol. I know. Yeah. So that's why she changed it to an O instead of an I. Oh, blend in more, I guess. This is the the bougie car. I do like that car. Oh, that is nice. And then look at like this picture, like rocks me because she's little as fuck. She's so little. She's like, yeah, she's like a little kid. Also, look at this frumpy policeman on the right. Yeah. Wearing a sweater. There's like a little cowboy boots on. And this is her like sitting in the uh, police department. Yeah, she looks like a babushka. She's so young. She's so little in this creep. And he's like an old 19. Yeah. I don't know. These men must also be super short because if he's only 5'5. Yeah, yeah. that's true. He's as tall as I am. That puts it in perspective a little bit. Yeah. I don't know why I always think you're taller. No. Um, actually, I'm 5'4". I lied. I say 5'5 five five sometimes. I just, just feel a little taller. 
How I tall are you, Allie? Uh, five seven, five eight. I'm five seven and three quarters. So I just say one or the other. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then that's it. Wow. What a shame. You know. But I don't know. Watch that episode of Criminal Minds, though, because it's like it's high yeah, speed. I like it's it's. I mean, it's. I want to say it's entertaining, but it's not entertaining to watch people die. But like, it's you know, it's TV. It's good TV. Yeah, that was. Why a does good she episode? have a baseball bat in the episode? Um, they like go into they go into a lot of like gas stations and shit and like break stuff. Oh, I know that actor that is the guy in it. Yeah, he's in stuff too. I'm surprised because I feel like there's been a lot of like randomly kind of bigger people as guests on that show. What's his face? Hmm. Frankie Muniz was in it. Yeah, Frankie Muniz. Not Frankie Muniz. Jason Alexander was in it. There was Uh, someone else. I was like, wow, that was a big person too. The guy from Dawson's Creek. What's his name? Which one? Yeah, yeah. the The main guy. Dawson. Yeah, he was. He played a. He played a fucking freaky character in that Dawson, show. Dawson Leary is one of the creepiest characters of all time. <laughs> his character, so he played like a guy who his dad passed away and he kept him frozen in his house because his dad like abused him as a kid and like made him be uber religious. And then like he had split personalities where he was himself his dad it's good i think you would like it yeah or like an angel of death he was he was like yeah really freaky and that That was he he did a good ass job though it was really good and when he had spencer i know he kidnapped spencer yeah so that was that was me thank you for listening i love you you're welcome you're all right thanks you're welcome you did great Fantabulous. All right, Pepper's eating wires now. I gotta go. Okay. Bye. Bye. Resources for this episode include yohistory.org and murderpedia.org.